Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A kind of spiritual sequel and cautionary counterpoint to Dennis Hopper's own Easy Rider, Out of the Blue Chronicles, the idealism of the 60s decline into hazy nihilism of the 1980s. Don Barnes, played by Dennis Hopper, is a truck driver in prison for drunkenly smashing his big rig truck into a school bus. Linda Mance, we also know from Days of Heaven, plays CB, his daughter, a teen rebel obsessed with Elvis Presley and the Sex Pistols. The film is called Out of the Blue, and it has been in a kind of cinematic limbo for many, many years. And thanks to the work of our guests today, particularly of John Allen Simon, who bought the rights to Out of the Blue many years ago, the film has been restored and ready for a theatrical release. Again, the film is called Out of the Blue, and we're joined today by the producers John Allen Simon and Elizabeth Carr. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you, Mike. Pleasure to be with you. John Allen, Simon, I will start with you because I know that you have a history with this film and how we now have the opportunity to see it. Tell me a little bit about how you got involved with Out of the Blue. I had been, uh, I'd always been a cinephile. And uh, when I was at Harvard, there was this great cinema called the Orson Welles Cinema that played three different double bills a day. And as an editor of The Crimson, I had a free pass to it. So I could go see six movies a day rather than go to classes, which I I did. I did quite often kind of from there while I was in graduate school, I started writing film reviews for kind of alternate papers. I'd fill in for Roger Ebert on occasion, and he recommended me to the new Orleans paper. And I went down there and started writing about film and music and met this older uh, film critic who had a television show. And he knew about all these kind of lost, forgotten films. And one of them was The Wicker Man. And we rescued that film and took it on the road with Christopher Lee at a big success. He and I kind of parted ways as partners. I started kind of doing that a little more and with a movie called Haunting of Julia with Mia Farrow. And Time Magazine, when I opened Haunting of Julia in New York, did an article on me as the guy kind of rescuing lost films And I was deluged with all these lost, unloved films that had no release. And most of them were terrible, at least in my opinion. And, you know, you could understand why they were never to to see the light of day. And uh, But one of them was out of the blue, and I fell out of my chair. I loved the movie so much. Laughing. Now, that tells you a little bit about my sense of humor, uh, my dark sense of humor. So I found out more about it. And the movie had been a Canadian tax shelter film that had been decertified, which meant that all the investors were going to lose every cent they invested in it because they'd invested in it as a tax write-off under this scheme where you could get a multiple of your investment. Because Dennis had taken over as director and started from scratch after the original director was fired, the writer, director, producer. And uh, the movie completely transformed from being kind of a family-friendly drama with Raymond Burr rescuing this troubled little girl played by Linda Manns 
to this bleak, nihilistic kind of punk rock masterpiece. And uh, Dennis and I took it on the road. Uh, Dennis kind of changed my trajectory as a would-be filmmaker, taught me about working with actors. The movie had a kind of big but limited success where it played. People had extreme reactions to its bleakness and its nihilism. And uh, we broke the house record in Boston at the Coolidge Corner Cinema. We played very successfully in L.A. and New York and struggled to get many more playdates beyond that, despite doing well. And uh, so we restored the film in 2010. And Dennis kind of entrusted me with that process. And the movie played in Paris as the centerpiece of a retrospective at the Cinémathèque Française. And of course, film being kind of dead, Technicolor can't even strike prints anymore. The two prints that were struck for the restoration started deteriorating. And I brought Elizabeth, my wife and producing partner, into the kind of the cult of Out of the Blue. And um, we decided we would do the restoration ourselves without financial support from any of the foundations or usual suspects who kind of underwrite these things. So Elizabeth spearheaded a Kickstarter, and uh, we got lucky in a few ways. Well, Elizabeth, let's bring you into the conversation. John just mentioned that he brought you into the cult of Out of the Blue. Uh, what were the challenges in raising money and raising awareness of Dennis Hopper's lost masterpiece? When he says he brought me into the cult of Out of the Blue, he truly did, because until I had met John and he showed it to me for the first time, I had not been familiar with the film. And I, too, was blown away by uh, the artistry of it and mostly uh, the performances, Linda Manns and Sharon Farrell and Dennis Hopper's. But we and we knew that there were a lot of people who, like us, felt passionately about this film but we also knew there were a lot of people who weren't familiar with it, who hadn't seen it. So the challenge was to bring awareness to a larger audience and to connect with the people who did love this film and would be aligned with our mission of wanting it to be restored, to be preserved and to be re-released. And as Fortune smiled on us, because coming back from a meeting, I heard Natasha Leone being interviewed on Terry Gross's Fresh Air on NPR. And literally out of the blue, she started talking about Dennis Hopper. What a great director he was, that out of the blue was an extraordinary film. And Linda Mann's performance is everything, everything to her. So I thought, wow, this is, um, she's, she's our people. How can we get to Natasha Leone and... Uh, the following week, Netflix had invited us to a luncheon and I met Natasha there, told her that we wanted to restore Dennis Hopper's film and do a 40th anniversary theatrical release. And she said, how can I help? Natasha Leone and her best friend, Chloe Seveny, came on board. They offered us some financial support. They're official presenters of the movie and they're helpful on social media. The Kickstarter funds that we raised have been a great help too. They by no means cover the expense of it, but what they did was expose us to this community of like-minded people who either already loved the film or wanted to know about it, who were aligned with the mission of getting it back out there. So it's challenging doing a Kickstarter. You know, We've done a couple and it's sort of relentlessly 24 seven, 
But even more important than the funds you raise is the people you meet, the, the community that we've got people from the Kickstarter who are helping us with different things. And so, yes, it was challenging, but in its own way, rewarding and fun. It is a film that is raw and unpolished in many ways, but it's the energy I think that you're describing, Elizabeth, as well as the, and I, this sounds so high, high-minded milieu, if you will, of the people in the film. And it does a really wonderful job of capturing this kind of relentless sense of sort of bleakness to their futures, where, what that bodes for them. And Linda Mance in, embodies that particular um, vibe and very, very well. She does a great job. I, as I mentioned earlier, I loved her in Days of Heaven, but it was a very, very different role for her than this one is. And she certainly embraced this performance. It seems that she really threw herself into it. John Allen Simon, how would you, is that a fair assessment of the film? And yeah, I think, I think it is. I think that's a great assessment for me. Uh, the movie that I kind of most think of, it was such an influential movie to me. I saw when I was about nine years old was Truffaut's 400 blows, which is another great portrait of adolescent alienation. One of the great movies ever made. And out of the blue is a portrait of adolescence, the loneliness of it, the trying to find uh, like-minded people, your own tribe, symbols that you identify with, symbols that you hate. It's as important sometimes as a kid to have things that you hate. The movie begins with Linda Manns on a CB radio. Uh, her name is Cindy Barnes, but she's on a Citizens Band radios, and she's called CB. That's her nickname. And it had been the original title of the film saying, Disco sucks, kill all hippies. And this is a movie from the guy who defined the hippie generation, Dennis Hopper with Easy Rider. And uh, so it's just one of these movies that just astonishes, I think, people who are who are tuned in to the to the to the wavelength of this kind of movie. People who love Cassavetes, people who love uh, yeah. European films, the, particularly of the new wave, people who love uh, people, I think, who love movies like uh, Florida Project. Yes, I mean, yes. it's it's not it's not a mistake that um, that that director is a big fan of 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 Out of the Blue. And I think I think, you know, someone once said about Velvet Underground, there's that great documentary out there now uh, that only a thousand people bought their records, but half of them became either music critics or rock critics or rock musicians. Yeah. So they had this tremendous influence. And everywhere I go, I find people who love Out of the Blue. When we were preparing for South by Southwest, which got canceled, which was going to be the festival, U.S. festival premiere after the world premiere at the Venice Film Festival, where it got a standing ovation, you know, an incredible, prestigious festival. Uh, we were contacted, uh, Elizabeth contacted on Twitter by Scott Derrickson, who directed, um, who directed the Doctor Strange movie for Marvel, saying, I love this movie. You know, can I fly out on my own nickel to Austin and introduce it with you? And I met Ethan Hawke at a screening of his movie Blaze. And he goes, I love that movie. I'll host a screening in New York when you open it. So it's a movie that kind of creates its own family and audience of people who love it. The way, you know, I would meet people who loved Velvet Underground when I was a teenager. And uh, we would all kind of like, yeah, you know, 
that's a that's a good that's a good introduction. That's a good uh, calling card. Yeah, you described it as finding your tribe, and that's part of what you're talking about as as a kid, as a teenager, and this collaboration in, of sorts with Neil Young, who kind of sets the tone at the very beginning of the film, um, out of the blue and into the black, and they're they're. And knowing the backstory, which we don't have, have enough time to get too far into here, but basically, as I described in the introduction, Dennis Hopper came into this basically as an actor and ended up as a director and writer. And there's this kind of punk sensibility to that part of this, the, the real life part of this story. And then you get the punk sensibility. I wouldn't put Elvis and punks together, but in this film, he makes that work. And I, I'm a big Dennis Hopper fan. So this is... It's pretty terrific. I'm 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 glad you guys have done what you've done, uh, and it's a film that certainly deserves a greater audience and the influence that Dennis Hopper, God rest his soul, for for all of the things he was as an actor and a, as a director. Uh, this this has a lot of that in it. Elizabeth, did you want to add anything before we before we go? Yeah, I just you know I love the name of your podcast. It's Film School Radio, right? Film- yes. Yes. Okay. And so I'm thinking one of the things about Dennis that filmmakers who are listening to you because they want to learn more from film school radio is that Dennis dealt with the found elements that he had. Yeah. When he, you know, he had Neil Young's song, he had this raw, incredibly authentic Linda Manns. He got to know her. He knew that she loved to play the drums. He was in the middle of this burgeoning punk scene in Vancouver, took the elements that yes. were in front of him and made the story. And for indie filmmakers, especially those on a lower budget, that's what you got to do. You, you know, you take what you've got and and make it art. And that's what Dennis did. Would love to talk a lot more. But uh, I started out as a projectionist at an art house here in Southern California. That was my film school. I mean, I love film before I started. The way I got the job was my five favorite movies were, and that's how they hired me. And I, they made me a projectionist. So I was screening, we were screening five double bills a week. And so, and it was all the stuff. It was American films, foreign films, you know, cult films. So for me, that was my education. That's my, that was my film school. What a beautiful way to do that. And it, very much mirrors what you you guys have been talking about. So I very much relate to the idea of found footage and found ways of making things happen. Um, Cassavetes and all of those people are amazing. Thank you. For another time and another place, you are with uh, Discovery Productions and you that's where you hang your hat. And if people want to know more about that, they can go to outoftheblueDennisHopper.com. That will take them to a place where they can hopefully help with the financing, further financing of Out of the Blue and with with any other future projects that you are working on, please come back, truly. I hope you will. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Again, we've been speaking with the the people who made Out of the Blue come out of the black. Uh, (laughs) And that would be uh, John Allen Simon and Elizabeth Carr, the production team from Discovery Productions. Thank you so very much. Oh, our pleasure. Take care. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. 
Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.